I greet you today in the name of our God, who is the first and last, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. It's good to see all of you here in the Faith and Arts Center, along with those who are joining us online. Today we are culminating our January worship series titled, Four Life-Changing Decisions. And over the past weeks, we've talked about starting some new physical or spiritual discipline, stopping some bad or sinful habit, staying when we feel like leaving or quitting, and today to go wherever God leads next. I love the graphic that our creative services department designed for the series because it shows us four choices in a circle and in tension with one another. Because these are not things we move through and we're done with. In every age and stage of life, it may well be appropriate for us to start, stop, stay, or go, depending upon our own spiritual journey. We have also seen that even small changes can make significant impact. I've shared with you over the past few weeks the 1 in 60 rule of navigation. That a 1 degree change in compass bearing over 60 miles can result in a 1 mile differential in the destination. And we recognize that decisions and directions are multiplied over time. And so today we are considering what it means to go. And our scripture lesson comes from Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse one. Uh, Listen for God's word. Uh, The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to them. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel, and pitched his tents with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Amen. John and Ad Carr taught Christian education at Candler School of Theology. The clergy couple used an inductive method that featured experiential learning. And one of the first things they challenged our class to do was read the Gospel of Mark as if for the first time. They invited us to put aside our preconceptions, our previous experience, and encounter Jesus through Mark's Gospel. Many of you are aware that Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. And one of his favorite words is, immediately. Mark 1.1 introduces John the Baptist. By the ninth verse, we've already plunged into Jesus' public ministry. And the first two chapters feature Jesus calling a group of followers, later called disciples 
or apostles. Among that number were Simon and Andrew, brothers, who were fishermen along with their father. And one day Jesus appeared to them and said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Simon and Andrew left their boats and their nets behind and followed in the footsteps of Jesus. The second chapter records a call of Levi. We usually know Levi more by his other name, Matthew. And once again, Jesus encounters Levi, and he says to him, follow me. And Levi does the same. And it's interesting and important to note how Jesus defined discipleship. It was follow me. That was the essence, the posture, the position of what it meant to be a disciple or an apostle. I've noted before, it's intriguing to me what Jesus did not share with these followers. He did not say to Simon, Andrew, and Levi, come follow me on a three-year apprenticeship. Our itinerary is going to include Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. You're going to get some wonderful on-the-job training. You'll get to see me preach, teach, heal, exercise, perform miracles. Now, at the end of the journey, three years from now, we will go to Jerusalem. I will be betrayed, denied, deserted, and then they will take me outside the walls of Jerusalem, and they will crucify me, and I will die. But don't worry, three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And I'll appear for you for 40 days before I finally ascend back into heaven. And then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will come down upon you. You will be empowered to proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And all the world will hear God's word because of you. Now, it will be difficult. You will be persecuted. Eleven of the twelve of you will die violent deaths. But don't worry, through you, my church will be established. Jesus said none of that. And if he had, he might not have gotten up to 12 disciples. Instead, the simple invitation was, follow me. And when push came to shove, throughout his ministry, this was the default definition of discipleship. Fast forward almost three years later. The disciples have followed in Jesus' footsteps. They have gone from Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. They have witnessed Jesus teach, preach, heal, exercise, and perform miracles. And now they're outside the city of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus suddenly turns to them and says, Who do people say that I am? And they begin to recount all the different rumors they've heard. Some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others say, you're Elijah, come back to Israel. Still others, one of the prophets. But then Jesus looks at his friends who he has spent almost three years with and says, who do you say that I am? And Simon, whom we know better as Peter, says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one. And immediately... Jesus, for the first time, begins to tell his disciples how he will suffer and die. And no doubt all of them were appalled, but Simon became the spokesperson. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. 
and to explain to him this was not the mission of the Messiah at all. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of this world. No doubt there is a sermon to be preached here of how you can go from hero to zero in a matter of moments. Just a few minutes beforehand, Simon, in this burst of divine inspiration, had declared Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and another gospel, the Son of the living God. And now, Jesus is calling him Satan, which if you missed it, is not a compliment. But hear the other words Jesus says, get behind me. That's the position of discipleship. That's the posture of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And he turns to the rest of the disciples and then says, whoever wants to be my disciple, remember these are men who have followed him for almost three years, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up the cross, and here's that phrase again, follow me. Simon Peter made the classic mistake that you and I make on a regular basis as well. He wanted to be ahead of Jesus rather than behind him. He wanted to pick the direction rather than simply follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Like Adam and Eve, he wanted to say, my will be done rather than God's will be done. And we make the same mistake too. Luke chapter 9 records a series of encounters Jesus had with would-be disciples. And in the first one, a man comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. This is a pastor's dream. For people to come up and say, hey, here I am. Use me however you want. And we're like, well, here's a pledge card. Let me tell you where you can volunteer. But Jesus' words are actually discouraging. He said to him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has no place to lay his head. Another, Jesus approached himself and said, follow me. There are those words. But the man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus' words sound harsh to our hearing. Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Yet another one said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus responded, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Over and over and over again, Jesus defined discipleship in the words, follow me. And the same words are spoken in our ears today. We're all on a spiritual journey. We are not where we were, but we're not where we're supposed to be. And we take step by step, moment by moment in daily life, and for the most part, discipleship is lived out in the mundane, ordinary work and life, work of life. And occasionally, there are significant milestones along the way. God is constantly wanting to do something fresh and new in our lives. Jesus said you don't pour old wine or new wine into old wineskins because they'll burst. 
New wine requires new wineskins. The Holy Spirit is constantly blowing into our lives or tormentic force, wanting to do something new. One of my favorite series of commercials over the past 10 years was the direct TV series during the 19, or 2016. They did a, a series of commercials that was titled Settlers. You may recall it featured a family, probably looked like they were living in the 1800s, but it was in contemporary society, that lived in a log cabin. They had old-fashioned clothes, no running water, no electricity. And one of the lines a father would say to his son regularly is, we're settlers, son. We settle for things. Are you tired of settling? Just because you're afraid of change? Are you tired of staying just because you're afraid to go? We're not called to be settlers. We're called to be pioneers that are constantly forging into the future because we are following somebody who calls us onward to something new and something different. The prophet Isaiah portrayed God's words to the nation of Israel and said, See, the former things have taken place and the new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. What do you want God to do in your individual life, in your family, in our community of faith, in the community around us? Today's scripture lesson from Genesis chapter 12 features one of the most influential characters of Hebrew scripture, Abram. We know him later as Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Genesis 12, 1 opens very abruptly with these words. The Lord had said to Abram, we missed some of the story here. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then there's a host of these divine promises made with the covenant between God and Abraham. God promises that he will bless Abram, and in turn, he and his descendants will be a blessing to the world, and that he will give him a land. Did you notice the future tense? Go to the land I will show you. And later we hear that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Genesis 12:4 records Abraham's response. God said, go. Abram went. Abram left as the Lord had told him. Now, we looked at this story back in the fall during the Multiply series, and what I added at this point is, this does not record Abram's conversation with Sarah about leaving. But what a journey it turned out to be. God did keep the covenant, the promises, and Abraham went from Ur to Haran to Canaan to Egypt and back again. And if you fast forward down through the decades and the centuries and millennia, you see that promise continuing to be kept that was made to Abraham and to Sarah. And what enabled him to go boldly when God said go? You know the answer. It was faith. Faith and a power beyond himself. A belief that the God who called him would sustain him, lead him, and be with him. 
flip over to the New Testament and the book of Hebrews, Abram and Sarah are lifted up as heroes of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And Hebrews famously describes faith in this way. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Abram didn't know where he was going, but he knew who he was following, and that was enough. Time and again, discipleship is defined with the call, go, and with the invitation, follow me. When our children were young, they loved all the Dr. Seuss books, and there was one in particular we read over and over and over again. It was Marvin K. Mooney, Will You Please Go Now? And the title pretty much summarizes the plot. There's a long-suffering protagonist that wants Marvin K. Mooney to go. And the final pages conclude the book with this snappy dialogue. I said go, and go I meant. The time had come, so Marvin went. Where's God calling us to go today? And that answer is going to be unique as every individual sitting in the congregation today. Because we're all at various places in our spiritual journeys. But I can absolutely promise you and guarantee you this thing. God is calling you on to the next step. I don't know what it is for you in particular. But wherever you are, that is not journey's end. And the God of the journey is calling us to go, to follow, on the next place where the Lord wants us to be. And it could be that God wants you to share your faith with someone else. There's somebody that the Holy Spirit has made a burden in your life and you're lifting them up in prayer and maybe you're feeling led to share your faith of what God has done with you. Or it might be as simple as an invitation to come and join me for worship or Sunday school in a small group and a service opportunity I have. Maybe God is calling you to a new ministry and mission there's a place out there where your passion and the world's need intersects, and that opportunity desperately needs someone new to come and work. God's already there. He's inviting you to come and join the Holy Spirit at work. Maybe there's a small group you've been intending to get involved in, and you just keep putting it off, but you need the fellowship and support of fellow Christians for most of us, it's probably a call deeper into some spiritual discipline that we need to pray longer and more intentionally, along with praying in all times and in all places, that we need to get deeper into Bible study and learning more about God's Word, that we desperately need the fellowship of the saints, that we might need times of fasting in a variety of different ways so that we more clearly can hear God's voice in our lives. For some, we're being called to stewardship, that we need to give more of our time, of our energy, of our resources, of our money to support the church as well as other missions that have claimed our heart. And I have a twin question for you today. Where is God calling you to go next? And what's preventing you from doing so?
And my guess for most of us is, and we can parse this in a variety of different ways, but it's fear. It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of change. It's fear of not being in control. Fear of letting go. But remember who calls us to go. Who invites us to come follow me. And it's by faith that Abraham and Sarah started out on the journey. And it's by faith each and every one of us cast ourselves in the arms of God, knowing that our Lord will catch us. Because when Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, when God speaks in our lives, come follow me, the implicit reminder is we don't go alone. We are following in the footsteps of Jesus. And that is what assures us, comforts us, and gives us the courage in the face of fear to respond. A fellow pastor oftentimes ends his worship services with a benediction that I would like to share with you today. He says, may God walk in front of you to lead you. May God tarry behind you to keep you from straying. May God hover above you to protect you and drop underneath you to support you. And most importantly, may God walk beside you because of the promise to never leave you. We step out in faith. When God says, go, come follow me, but we don't go alone. God is with us. Let us pray. Gracious God, grant us the grace that our spirits might be sensitive to your spirit and that in this moment of worship or in the days to come, your Holy Spirit will call, invite, challenge, convict us of where we need to go next, what that next thing is we need to do, the next word we need to say, the next relationship we need to strengthen, the next age or stage of life that we need to dedicate to you. Grant us the grace to assume the position and the posture of discipleship, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, not knowing where we're going, but knowing who leads us, and that, O oh Lord, is more than enough. In Christ's name we make our prayer. Amen.